0: Can you imagine what it's like to be drawn and quartered? You know what drawn and quartered is? It's not good. We will discuss it in absolutely foul detail here in just a little bit. But before then, let us go to England Britain the UK I don't know it all blends together it's all quite confusing I actually had a Brit explain it to me at one time no you have to understand this is England but when when you include Wales and Scotland that counts as Great Britain but no that's not the UK if you want to you honestly my eyes had already glazed over I said just just you know what never mind never mind I'm sorry I asked And what's amazing is he thought he was clarifying it. I walked away more confused than ever. Just so you know, we're talking about that large island, islands, north of France, across the English Channel. And we're talking about the 13th century. As you know, I love how history blends together, runs together, what happened before, what happened after, and I think it's fascinating, I've always found this fascinating, the things that are happy, happening around the globe at roughly the same time. Today, we're going to be dealing with Scotland and England and William Wallace and Knights and betrayal, and we're also, we're in the same time of Genghis Khan, roughly. Isn't that weird to think about? We're dealing with our own separate story. You've all seen, every one of you have seen Braveheart probably many times as I have. So you have a real general gist of the story, although some of that was crap. But still, while all that was going on, Genghis Khan was conquering the known world. Isn't that wild? I find it to be wild. So let's go and set up the situation on the ground. The situation on the ground in Scotland at this time is this. They have a king. They are an independent nation. And contrary to some things you may have seen in the movies and otherwise, we're going to do that a couple times today, Scotland was not beaten down and downtrodden ...by England at this time. They were not. Scotland had a king. His name was Alexander. Scotland and England... ...were all over each other. Not in a bad way. Something that I've really struggled with... ...I still struggle with all the time... ...you maybe do too... ...is this concept of nations... There was an England and there was a Scotland, but at this period of time, in this period of time, it's more about the king you serve. It's more about the king than the country, the noble. It's more about him than the country. He is your kingdom, the noble you serve under, the king you serve under. The borders don't matter. You don't have some special relationship lots of the time with someone else. Do you know William Wallace? You know the Scottish, Scottish you saw, you've seen the movie? William Wallace spoke French. And I know you saw it in the movie and you're like, "Oh, I know he spoke French, but he was making out with that hot French queen." No, I mean like that was his main language. And that's not abnormal. I'm that, that was Just worlds merged because, and this is the reason why because they were always marrying each other. Always. The people in power stayed in power. Expanded their power, solidified their power by marrying off sons and daughters to powerful people in other nations. So languages all blended together. They were all, they were all brothers and sisters and cousins and all of them. And this lasted way past this time. This went clear into World War I era. World War I, go look at the leaders of the nations in World War I of Germany, of Russia, of England. They all knew each other. Practically, they were all related. So, yes, there was plenty of tension between Scotland and England at this time, but there was plenty of getting along fine. Oh, no, he married my cousin. Oh, no, I married my daughter off to him. My son actually lives there. No, There was plenty of that. And Scotland has a king. Scotland's king, I mean, he is he is Scottish, liked to tip back a couple beers. He enjoyed, uh, enjoyed alcohol, and I don't know if this is going to shock you or not. I found it shocking. But did you know people make bad decisions sometimes when they drink too much alcohol? I know. I know. I was shocked when I found that out too, Chris. If I had only known, people make bad decisions when they have too much alcohol. And get this, I know this is going to blow you away too. It blew me away. Men really make bad decisions when they have too much alcohol, especially when it comes to women. <laughs> Gosh, that is. Whew, you learn something new every day. And where I'm going with this is Scottish King Alexander is sitting at a pub with his buddies getting hammer housed one night and he has way too much to drink and decides he wants to go home. Why does he want to go home? Well, let's go enjoy himself with the ladies a little bit. He's a king. He's got a young wife, probably about 9,000 servant girls. You know how it went in the day. I'm out of here. I'm going home to see some chicks. He's so hammered. Get this. His buddies, his fellow Scotsmen tell him, do not go home. Just You're not in any condition. Just stay here for the night. So we're not talking about a man who caught a buzz on here. We're talking about a dude full out slurring his words. Think how hammered you have to be to be an experienced horseman. I mean, all these guys, especially the nobles grew up on horses and your buddies looking at you saying, bro, you cannot get on a horse at this time. We're not talking about a car drinking and driving here, a horse by yourself in the countryside and your buddies are like, whoa, way too dangerous. But of course we've all known somebody like this, especially when it comes to alcohol and women. He will not be dissuaded. I'm out of here. Goes out, gets on his horse, takes off, and promptly disappears, and nobody hears from him for days until they find him dead with a broken neck. This dude must have been hammered. One of those drinking on an empty stomach nights feels good for a drink or two, and then you're on a one-way ticket to blackout town. Well, it's funny talking about this now. It's not so funny when you're Scotland and your king is now dead because empty thrones with no clear heir and no clear claim to the throne throw a nation into absolute chaos. Hang on. Simply Safe actually gave us something fun to do as a family. <laughs> I didn't, I have to be honest. When I got my Simply Safe, I wasn't getting it for that reason. But here, here, let me explain. Simply Safe doesn't involve a long time on the phone talking to a sales guy or anything like that. Nothing. You just go online. You can do it from your phone as we speak. You go to simplysafe.com/slash Jesse. You pick out everything you want. They ship it to you. Your family's waiting for it to get there. The box gets there. You open it up, and you spend less than an hour as a family, a big family activity, placing the sensors where you want them in your home. You plug them in, and that's it. You're now professionally monitored 24 hours a day, seven days a week with emergency dispatch services. That is incredible. For as little as $15 a month, go to simplysafe.com/jesse. That's simplysafe.com slash Jesse. That gets you free shipping on that order. Jesse Kelly returns. Next. you and i do not have an appropriate appreciation of of so many things and that's not your fault it's not my fault once you're used to a certain thing once that's all you've ever known especially once it's all your parents have ever known and their parents have ever known you just lose an appreciation for it you know you don't know what you have till it's gone it's just such an old cliche but it is so so true we take so many things for granted here in America. And we've talked about this before but maybe the biggest one is water. If I told you right now to go get yourself a glass of water and drink it, how difficult would that be for you? What are you 20 feet away from cre- from clean drinking water? 10. For you ladies, you're probably in the kitchen. You're probably right by the sink. (laughs) I'll quit, Chris. We can joke about stuff. Gosh. Do you know how difficult that is in so many places around the world? Do you know how many people die on a daily basis because they lack access to clean drinking water? But I don't appreciate it until I stop and dwell on it. You don't either. When's the last time you even thought about it? I'm, I'm staring at two cups of water in front of me because I accidentally got a second one and forgot I got the first. I have so much access to clean drinking water, I just pour You know what? I'm just going to go dump one of them out like a, like a boss. What, Chris? But another thing we do not appreciate is a clean, well, relatively clean transition of power. An established system. Once this person's done in office, once this person's voted out, it goes to this person. Even with this upcoming election and all the stuff you hear, what if Trump doesn't give up the seat? What if Trump wins and Biden tries to take it by force? Most of that stuff's crap. All that stuff's crap. If Trump loses, he's going to pack up his stuff and say goodbye and Biden's going to move in. If Biden loses, he's going to retire and try to figure out how to spell his name again. It's fine. That is not how people have lived in human history. If you live under a monarchy, as they were in Scotland, and all of a sudden that seat is empty, and there's not a clear heir to the throne, a clear son taking charge, it is a big problem because now all the nobles, all the powerful people, they're all going to claim it somehow, some way. No, my sister's brother's cousin actually was related to your father's uncle's third cousin twice removed. And and it really is like that. It's mind-numbing. Well, I was once married to this lady. I mean, granted, I killed her, but she was related to the kid. It gets very confusing. Now they're competing. Now it's a power vacuum. Okay, that's Scotland. We are going to leave Scotland for a moment, and we're going to go down south to England. England has a man in charge named Edward. Edward I, Edward the Longshanks. You know him from Braveheart as that evil guy you hate so much. I will simply say, maybe not a great guy. There's really nothing to show he was this horrible, evil human being at all. And one thing is an absolute fact He was not this all-powerful, supreme leader, dictator of England. You see, Edward de Longshanks has his own problems. He's trying to hang on to power himself. He is in an era where the nobles of England, the other rich landowners in England, are extremely powerful and want more of it. Well, what's he supposed to do? In general, when you see people in this situation, historically, they go one of two directions, which is funny. I didn't actually plan this out, but we saw yesterday with Ivan the Terrible. If you missed that show, I highly recommend you go download it. It's on iHeart, Google, Spotify. It's on iTunes. We talked about Ivan the Terrible. Ivan the Terrible had the same situation, right, roughly? A bunch of powerful nobles. What did Ivan the Terrible do? i just kill them all. Oh, look at that. I'm the only one in charge. That worked out fine. Now, there are plenty of pitfalls that come with that route, and most of the time you die somewhere along the way that route. A second, more stable route, and frankly, sometimes a more merciful route, depending on the way you want to look at it. If you want to expand your power as a king... You need some pelts on the wall, some notches on the belt. You need some military wins. And it should be noted at this time, that has not changed today and never will change. Military victories are what the public loves. They're what the public is proud of. And politicians in this country and countries around the world and countries throughout history, they've always known that is a great way to expand your hold on power. People in Russia, these Russian experts of which I am not, will tell you to this day, that's how Vladimir Putin is still relatively popular in Russia is he's constantly giving America and other countries the middle finger. You notice how he never actually does anything hugely significant? Do you know why? Because he can't. Russia's economy is the size of Texas's economy. Russia is, I mean, compared to European countries, they're some big bully. Compared to us, they're nothing. Russia's nothing. And he knows that too. He's not an idiot. But all you have to do is rattle your saber a little bit. Have some planes like he just did recently do a flyby of American airspace in Alaska. We get annoyed. We go swat them away like fleas. But uh, Vladimir Putin goes back to his people and says, ha, ha, look who's giving it to the Americans. We'll stop them if we have to. Helps expand your power. You're King Edward I, 13th century England. I need more power. These nobles are getting a little uppity. I have to expand my power. You've got two real options there. You have Wales to the west and Scotland to the north. He decides on Wales first. He gathers up his army. He storms into Wales, and he begins to hammer on them. Now, the Welsh are not a bunch of sissies. They don't just lay down for this whole thing. They fight him tooth and nail, but Edward ends up winning should be noted. There are apparently I've never been there castles all over Wales to this day. And you can thank King Edward for that because when you go into a nation like what, like Wales, that was very independent and independent minded, you can't just defeat a couple armies on the battlefield and declare victory you must move in. The Romans knew this very well. Just like we talked about a little while ago, when we were talking about Bodica. You have to move into an area physically. Your people must occupy that space, especially with a rebellious people, or you're just going to lose it right away. So he built castles all over Wales. Get some troops stationed there. Get some of our people stationed there. Start some farming. Eventually we're just going to make it ours. Well, now Edward sets his sights on Scotland, where there happens to be quite a vacancy, doesn't there? Oh, look at that. I'm expanding and Scotland needs a new king. How about that? And so all of the Scots promptly rise up behind William Wallace and tell King Edward, you shall not pass. Not what happened at all. Bunch of Scottish nobles thought they had a claim to the throne. Bunch of Scottish nobles thought... I think I'll just get along with Edward, actually. Hang on. Criminals do not just exist on the streets anymore. You can't just hide in your home and be safe anymore. That's not how it works. This is an online world now. And I know what you're thinking. Well, uh, Jesse, I don't even spend that much time online. Yes, that's fine. Maybe you don't. But there are important things of yours that do. Like your home title. Your home title is online. Online. It is not a piece of paper anymore. It exists digitally. That means cyber thieves can get a hold of it, get your real-looking signature on it, take a loan out against it, and you have to pay that loan back. You do. And your home insurance, it doesn't cover this. HomeTitleLock.com is your only defense against it. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address, find out if you're already a victim of it, While you're there, use the code JESSE. Get yourself 30 free days of protection. The story of Scotland rising up against England is half true. Half of it wasn't, and that's the problem. That's what I was trying to explain when it comes to nations. Nations are a dicey thing back then. There were a bunch of Scottish nobles that were trying to get Edward to back their claim to the Scottish throne. Some Scottish nobles flat out wanted Edward to take the Scottish throne for himself. And some Scottish nobles... Wanted England the heck out. Edward, at first, he appoints a Scottish king, and then he decides eventually, no, I'm going to go ahead and be king, and now it's going to go ahead and be on. Now, let us go to William Wallace and allow me ahead of time to apologize for what I'm about to do, but if I went through it, You're going to go through it. I must admit, I did not know a ton uh, about this outside of the movie Braveheart until I started reading last night. And it was a tough read. It was a little sad. Because most of that movie's a bunch of crap. And that sucks. I wanted it all to be real. Do you know they didn't even wear kilts? They didn't even wear kilts for like two centuries after that movie started. It didn't even exist in William Wallace's time. That sucks. And William Wallace was not some hard scrabble sheep farmer putting grass and sticks on a mud hut somewhere. William Wallace was a nobleman's son. And we really should have probably figured that out. Because he was a very capable fighter. And what do I mean by that? Here's what I mean by that. Do you know the difference between American troops and troops from a third world country? Do you know the real difference. Do you know why our Delta Force guys, our Green Berets, our Navy SEALs, Do you know why they're better than most of the other nations at special forces? Why our regular troops are better than troops in Zimbabwe? Do you think it's because there's some specially infused American DNA that just makes us hyper good soldiers? There's not. Do you really want to know what the difference is? It's just training. It's just training. That's all. We have the money, commitment, and just land resources to train. When I was a Marine Corps infantryman a long time and about 30 pounds ago, we lived training. We weren't part time. We weren't reservists. We woke up every single day. Physical exercise, classroom time, range time. Here's 10,000 rounds. Go and load them. Live fire drills, combined arms exercises with jets and tanks and everything else. Do you have any idea how much money that costs? It costs. Tons of money. So I step on the field of battle against the troop from Zimbabwe one day. We are two or three hundred yards from each other trying to murder each other. And I have I have shot two hundred thousand rounds through my M16 at that point in time. He has a ratty AK-47 where he's given 100 rounds a year to practice with. Who's going to win that? I am, and it's not because my American DNA makes me superior. It's because I've been trained. Trained. It's all about training. Again, you remember that Roman show we just did on Bodica where 12,000 Romans took on 200,000 Britons and beat the crap out of them. Why? Training, discipline, hour after hour after hour after drill, 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 drill. The other guy, well, he's a farmer. He grabbed a stick and thinks he's going to yell and scream and intimidate me and run into battle. That's not how it works. Okay, I hope you enjoyed your yelling and screaming. Now you're on the end of my spear. Let me scrape you off so I can kill the rest of your friends. It's all about training. Always, now and always. Back in this time, this myth of the peasants rising up and taking down all the armored knights is absurd. It's not true at all. Why is it not true? Because the peasant doesn't have the money, doesn't have the nutrition, doesn't have the training to defeat somebody who's fully clad in armor and has been trained by a professional to use a pike, to use a sword. Battlefield tactics. Not their fault. Doesn't make them a worse person. But that's why so much of this, so much of history is from people with the wealth to get trained enough to accomplish something like that. And we don't like talking about that because who doesn't love a rags to riches story? I do. You do. Ah, screw that knight with his fancy armor and snobby jerk. That peasant's going to go out there with a rock and take him down. No, actually, he's going to die. Quickly. William Wallace was not some hard scrabble down on his luck dude. Family was doing very well, trained professionally. And it's funny, they made jokes about it in the movies. He was huge. Now, we don't know how big back in the day, but virtually everything that was written about him says the dude was basically a giant and athletic. Everybody who saw him was like, holy crap. And sadly, this was not William Wallace's rebellion. There were other rebel leaders, and there was a nobleman who was... Heavily involved in all this and made him look like crap in the movie Braveheart. Do you know who Braveheart was in real life? It was Robert the Bruce from the movie. The nobleman who had a claim to the throne. William Wallace was not nicknamed Braveheart. Robert the Bruce was. (laughs) How crushingly disappointed is that? I know you're mad at me right now. You know what? Screw you. I had to go through it, so you're going through it with me. That's tough. Now the English do march and they do march to a place called Stirling. You may remember the Battle of Stirling and Braveheart. I'm pretty sure that was the one where they lifted up their kilts they weren't actually wearing and mooning everybody and they're in the middle of a field and the Brits are and the English are riding them down. Uh, no, that's not what happened. You see the English They're now on Scottish ground, and Stirling is not just Stirling. Stirling is a place called Stirling Bridge. You must cross at Stirling Bridge. The Scottish know the English must cross at Stirling Bridge, and Stirling Bridge is not very wide. Enough room for two or three horses wide. Now, one thing the movie very much did get right is the Scots were very worried about the English cavalry, and the Scots did... Make these long, 13-foot-long poles. And it's not how many troops you're bringing to the battle. It's how many can actually fight at one time. Hang on. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. Identity theft is real. It's here, and I have some bad news for you. It's not going away. As long as people do their business online, as long as you buy things online, as long as your bank accounts are online online, There will be criminals out there trying to get them, trying to take what's yours. That's the bad news. The good news is there's a great new company out there, an America-based company out there, who will protect you for an absurdly good price. For $7.95 a month, you can have Identity Hero. And I can't stress this enough. It's an America-based company. $7.95 a month? That's a trip to Starbucks for you. Go to IdentityHero.net slash Jesse. That's IdentityHero.net slash Jesse. Don't wait until it's too late. Don't wait until you're already ripped off. Go to IdentityHero.net slash Jesse and sign up today. I want you to imagine what it would be like to ride a horse side by side with a buddy across a bridge towards a bunch of people with spears held in the air. Wouldn't that be horrifying for the dude holding the spear and the dude on the horse? What is that like? And horses are so big. And powerful anyway. I mean, a horse with no armor on it and no knight on top trying to smash your head into the ground. That's intimidating. And, and this will come into play here in a few, these were war horses. You and I like to discuss just horse as a horse as a horse, although I'm sure we have plenty of horsemen out there who know the difference. Horses can vary wildly in size. And the horses they rode into war in this country at this time were enormous and I mean huge. That's not good. That is not good. Be that as it may, like from the movie, they did win the battle of Sterling. It is funny. The English got way too big for their britches. They got way too cocky at this point in time. There was, remember, I told you there were plenty of Scots fighting with the English. There was a Scottish knight fighting with the English who said, why are we riding right at them? We should go down the river and we'll, let me take some dudes and we'll ford around the river and we'll flank them. And the English were so confident they were just going to ride through these petty Scots. They just, nah, forget that. We'll just run right at them. And they got massacred. Now, something they didn't elaborate on very much in the movie, touched on it a little was the fighting amongst themselves the scots during this first war of scottish independence that's what this was that's what this was had as many huge battles amongst themselves as they did the english they'd ride off the battlefield from the english and promptly line up in battle formation and fight each other i mean not on the same day but you know what i'm talking about it's crazy battle of falkirk Comes around. You have an issue now. Because the English employ their longbows, And they promptly massacre the Scots who go out. The Scots were there once again with their spears. The English were like. Oh, okay well this is not going to work. We're not charging these stupid spears again. They just sit back and destroy them with their longbows. And again I'm sorry to disappoint you. But. William Wallace did not get on his horse and try to ride somebody down and assassinate him by himself at the Battle of Falkirk while all of his men were being massacred. William Wallace got on his horse and he left. One cool thing about Wallace, though, I will admit this, very cool thing about Wallace is, one, prior after Sterling and prior to Falkirk, William Wallace skinned somebody alive, an Englishman. Apparently, this was very inspirational to the Scots. And he used said skin to wear his sword around. Like he made like a sheath with it. Admit it. That's kind of cool. I I know it's gross. Okay, don't yell at me. It's kind of awesome. Two, he spent his time... He did invade northern England, like it shows, and he did sack a bunch of cities down there. This part is important for how it ends. England thought this type of behavior, these guerrilla warfare tactics, skinning people alive, ambushing people, this was abhorrent to them. It wasn't the rebellion they found so distasteful because, in their minds, Scotland wasn't really rebelling. Remember, they were their own country already. England was trying to take it. They hated the actual tactics of William Wallace because this is an interesting era. So interesting. I want to explain the end of our story before we actually get there. The Battle of Bannockburn. That's the one you don't actually see at Braveheart, the one at the end where they're playing the music and the Scots are charging across the field of battle and the Scots were outnumbered two to one and won their freedom. The line goes, ah, It's kind of true. It's kind of not true. They were outnumbered two to one. They weren't really charging across the field in that way. I will explain what happened. But first, let me get to one of the funniest things when it comes to rules and chivalry of war back then. And part of the reason they hated William Wallace. Understand this. There's a castle. There's a castle there, okay? The castle was held by the English. The Scots want this castle. The Englishman in charge of the castle tells the Scots, oh, no, 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 don't lay siege to my castle. I'm going to send word for the English to come send a relief force to try to fight you. If they don't show up, I'll just give you the castle. And the Scots were like, oh, okay, well, never mind on the siege. We'll just wait and see if the English show up. And this wasn't some big deception. Everyone agreed that's what was going to happen. Hang on. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now, so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. I'm going to ruin the end of the story before we actually describe how we get to the end of the story. As you know, the Scots did win the Battle of Bannockburn. They did stop the English from getting to that castle to relieve them. And the guy in charge of the castle did just hand the castle over. Well, we had an agreement. I certainly can't violate that. That would be dishonest. Wild when you think about it, right? And in a funny way, not to get too sidetracked off of our story, it explains so much of how the Europeans and the Russians were absolutely astonished at how the Mongols and Genghis Khan did warfare, and they were just stunned by how effective it was. They didn't, they couldn't relate to it in any possible way, in any way. And what do I mean by that? I'll explain in a sec. I know you may be wondering what happened to William Wallace after he turned and ran from the Battle of Falkirk. Not much. One, he didn't... He didn't enjoy himself with the French Queen. She was 10 years old at the time. I don't even know that they ever met. He did, however... Go on some diplomatic mission to France, trying to get France involved, because I know you're going to find this shocking. France and England weren't getting along. (laughs) No. He failed at that too. And eventually the English did get their hands on him. Bringing me back to the very beginning of the show. Do you know what drawn and quartered is? It's what happens to him in that movie, and this was not something just from the movies or something that happened to William Wallace. This was a standard practice in England for a long time when it came to people they viewed as traitors. He did say, I'm not a traitor. They do hang you when they're drawing and quartering you and then drop you before you die. They do then attempt to pull out your limbs from their sockets with horses. And contrary to what you see in the movies, most of the time they did pull them out of socket. Your arms would be bad enough. Can you imagine what it would feel like to have your femur separated from your hip bone? Ugh. (laughs) That is nasty. And then they did lay you out on a platform like you saw in the movie. And by the grace of God, we didn't have to see exactly how it went. So allow me to explain exactly how it went. Earmuffs, kids. The first thing they did was remove your genitals from your body. They then sliced open your guts. And removed them from you and stacked them beside you while you were still alive. Oh, and did I forget to mention, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, they would light them on fire and burn them in front of you with your nerve endings still attached to them. Then they cut your head off. The reason it's called drawn and quartered is first they draw out your guts. Then they do quarter you up. And just like in the movie, they did chop off your legs and arms and send those around. They did. They did dip his head in tar to preserve it and put it on London Bridge. And movie got this right, too. They did want it to be a warning to the Scots to stop fighting, and it had very much the opposite effect. William Wallace went from being a a fairly respected rebel leader who flamed out and really took off from Falkirk to now being a rallying cry. Why did the English do this to him? Remember, they weren't doing this to all the other nobles they caught and imprisoned and whatnot. It was all that guerrilla warfare, not chivalrous stuff, like I mentioned last segment. Why were the knights of Europe and and Russia so horrified by the Mongols and Genghis Khan? Because the Mongols and these people, they didn't acknowledge rules in warfare. You can have my castle if nobody shows up. These concepts were totally foreign to them. No, I'm going to take it and I'm going to kill every man, woman, and child inside. And if you'd like to stop me, then you better stop me. When the Mongols would do the fake retreat, the feigned retreat, Mongols had entire units that were basically actors who would charge at you and then act scared and run away only to lead you into an ambush, the Europeans fell for this time after time because that would be a violation of honor in Europe. You would never dream of running away. You can't do that. That's against the rules of war. The Mongols were like, rules of war? (laughs) That's adorable. Oh, wait, you're serious? There aren't rules in war. So let's wrap this story up. The Battle of Bannockburn that you don't get to see at the end of Braveheart pitted 500 mounted knights of Scotland. Again, they weren't a bunch of ragtag losers with sticks and stones. They had 500 heavily armored mounted knights and 9,000 infantrymen versus 2,000 mounted knights of England and 17,000 Englishmen. The Scots were thought to be at a heavy disadvantage, obviously, but the Scots knew this ground and the English did not. The Scots were there at the battlefield a long time before the English were, and they were digging what were called wolf traps, these little pits all over the battlefield and things called caltrops. A caltrop is essentially a triangular spike And any way it lands on the ground, it lands with a spike up. This is not an anti-infantry weapon. It is an anti-cavalry weapon. You see that gigantic, heavily armored horse with the heavily armored knight on top of him. That horse steps on one of these caltrops. Not only is the horse out of the battle, it's quite possible and happened often that the horse would end up killing the knight because the knight would go down as the horse goes flipping end over end, and that 1,000-pound horse would squash him like a pancake. A nightmare if you're charging across the battlefield. And one last story before we wrap this up. The English actually almost won this battle. You remember who I told you Braveheart was? His name was Robert the Bruce. You see, on some bad luck, or I guess you'd call it good luck with how it turned out, the English were in a forest... And this English general sees Robert the Bruce. Only Robert the Bruce did not know this guy was there. And Robert the Bruce is not on his war horse. He's on a little pony. They didn't ride around their war horses for fun. Again, different horses for different things. He's cruising around on his comfortable little pony. The English dude is on his war horse and armored and ready. Sees Robert the Bruce, who's now leading the army, Charges at Robert the Bruce. Now this really happened, and this is legendary. Charges at him. Robert the Bruce, instead of running away, taking off, squares up to take this dude on, has no business winning this battle, on a little pony with only an axe in his hand. The English knight charges Robert the Bruce with a pike. Bruce ducks it. And as the dude goes by, ducks the pike and buries an axe into the dude's head. How sweet is that? Dude was apparently dead before he hit the ground. The Scots charged. The Scots won that battle. And there was more to it than that. The the English, again, didn't know the grounds and the Scots had prepared. So the English ended up camping out in the swamplands while the Scots were comfortable in some cozy forest. It was just, it all went wrong. And yes, like the movie says, this battle did result in the Scots winning their freedom. However... They didn't actually sign on to that until like 13 years after this battle. It's just things moved a little slower back in the day. Now, what are you and I to take from this? Hang on. Truth. Attitude. Jesse Kelly. I can't believe we're getting evicted from our home for a loan we didn't take out. That's a quote from a real person, from somebody who did nothing wrong. That person could be you. That person could be me. That person simply had their home title stolen online, had no idea it was stolen. Who would know? Unless you have HomeTitleLock.com, how would you know? Had no clue, and all of a sudden she finds out she's getting evicted from her home, and her home insurance isn't going to save her. Whatever other protections you think you have, they don't save you. The only thing that can save you in these situations is home title lock.com. and this cybercrime, home title theft, is sweeping America right now. Don't get caught up in it. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's home title lock.com. Don't forget to use the promo code Jesse that gets you thirty free days of protection. The people. In power. It's all one big club. Republicans, Democrats. It's all one big club. And they all spend their time, every one of them, trying to convince you and convince me That I'm the man of the people. I'm the one here fighting for you. But it's just a bunch of lords and knights exchanging titles and lands. That's really all it is. Have things changed that much? I know everybody, you're probably one of them, was excited about Attorney General Barr slapping around those congressmen yesterday as they called him in for for a hearing on federal troops being involved in Portland and whatnot. Oh, Barr's the best. Oh, look at this Barr soundbite. Oh, look look how terrible that Democrat looked. I'm glad everyone got to see that. These people are scumbags. Where are my indictments? I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. But what does a good soundbite get me? Sure, I'll I'll play you a funny one of Nadler here soon. It's funny to make fun of Nadler. But what does that actually get me in a nation that is slowly but surely losing any and all confidence in the rule of law? And when I say losing confidence, I don't mean the average dude on death row somewhere, the dude in prisons. Oh, man, the lawyer screwed me. This justice system sucked. I'm talking about law-abiding people losing confidence in the rule of law. You understand that is one of the essential things that tie a nation together, that hold a nation together. When law-abiding people think there is no more justice system anymore, you've signaled the end of a country, period. And what has happened, what happens is this. Washington, D.C. is this humongous club, this humongous bubble. And I'm not going to sit here and act like they're all in a big smoky room together coming up with this, but this is what I mean. I don't know when the last time you were in D.C. was or if you ever were, but I have been. Like, I went, I went when I was running for Congress a whole bunch. And one of the times I went, I told this story on my TV show last night. One of the times I went when I was running for Congress, it was right in the middle of the recession. And you remember what that crappy recession was like, man. And all the strip malls were empty and stuff was closing and unemployment sucked. And it just, you could tell, you could feel it when you were out and about of, man, things are, things are tough right now. And I landed in D.C. and my jaw dropped. It was brand new, gorgeous buildings being built everywhere, beautiful roads being built, new statute. You could tell you just landed in a gigantic pile of money. They get themselves so, so wrapped up in their D.C. bubble, they don't have any idea how other people live. How am I supposed to assume that A.G. Barr, who you probably love, what's he actually done? How am I supposed to assume that he's doing anything? Maybe he is. Maybe I'm wrong. And let me tell you, if I turn out to be wrong, if we get a bunch of indictments, if we get a bunch of felony charges from all this Russian hoax investigation stuff, nobody's going to be happier about coming on the radio and saying, whew, I was wrong. Thank goodness he's all over that. But where are they? We are less than 100 days from the election. And you do understand, right? I just want to make sure you are 100% clear. If nobody is indicted by the time that election happens, and if Donald Trump loses, there's never going to be an indictment. The next day G comes in, it all goes away. Vanishes like a fart in the wind. What is taking so long? These people do not understand what is happening. The American people have had to endure months now of watching a pastor get arrested for having church and a Black Lives Matter scumbag being able to do whatever he wants. They've enjoyed years now, multiple years now, Of the FBI under Barack Obama abusing a presidential campaign, a political opponent using bad information, and the result of it was a two-year millstone around the neck of the Trump administration with that Mueller probe? And what's been our response? Oh, we're investigating Eight years of Barack Obama, eight years of Barack Obama taking a gigantic steaming dump all over the rule of law in this country. Then Trump gets elected and everybody in the bureaucracy, the Democrat Party, spends another three years throwing every single roadblock they possibly can in front of him. And what do we do? And I'm including Trump in this. Nothing. Not not really anything. but well, we passed every big spending bill that came across Trump's desk. Passed the two trillion dollar coronavirus bill. We used to have tea parties over half that. About to pass another trillion dollar bill. Ah, oh, we'll do some spending bills. I wouldn't look I mean we're mad. We're super mad. All right, we'll sign your spending bill. Are you mad? Are you? Or is this all a game? Is this all for show? I want to know what's real and what's not. As I've said a million times before, don't tell me what you believe. Show me what you believe. I don't want to hear about how angry you are. Show me how angry you are. You know all the crap the FBI pulled under Barack Obama? You know all that, right? We talked about that extensively. Do you know what's coming out of the White House? Do you know some tension that's out there right now? You're not even going to believe this. The White House, the White House, is pushing for a $1.75 billion new headquarters to be built. For the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and they want that money to be included in the coronavirus relief bill. So, just, just I, I want to be clear about this. So, Trump goes on TV all the time, Twitter all the time, talking about Russia hoax and illegal investigation, and something has to be done but he's going to build them a new $1.75 billion headquarters of pork spending that has nothing to do with coronavirus relief. So, again, I have to ask. I, I hate to be bursting bubbles all over the place about William Wallace and everything else today, but how mad is he at the FBI? Because if the federal police arm has been politicized against the Republican Party and had been politicized against me as President of the United States of America, I would fire every employee and demo the building on live television and then walk up and take a pee on the ashes. I would break the FBI into a thousand pieces and scatter it to the winds as JFK once threatened to do to the CIA. but Trump wants to build him a new office building? Hang on. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. That's oh, bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's mint chew. Go. Put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Jesse. Nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries, or maybe a quarter tank of gas. You know what it will get you, though? For just 20 bucks a month, you can get unlimited talk, talk,